This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. Take your Bibles with me this morning and turn to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 24. There may be some people that are watching right now that has already said, I don't believe the Bible. I believe the Bible is a lie. Well, let me say this. If you are right, you have absolutely no worries. But I tell you this, if it's true, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You may not realize it right now, but you will someday Understand that your soul is the most important thing that you have. There's nothing any greater, more important, of any more value than your soul. And so that's why I ask you in Jesus' name to pay very close attention today. Because I'm going to share some things with you that perhaps you've not ever heard explained like this before. But for those of you that have been tending Buford Road Baptist Church for the last 41 years with me, you know one thing for sure. When you walk in these doors, I'm going to preach this book. I'm going to preach every word in this book. I'm accountable to it. I'm accountable for your soul. I'm a watchman on the tower for your soul. And so this is extremely important. We're going to say some things today that perhaps you've never heard explained before or maybe never heard explained like this before, but you will be able to take your Bible in your lap and you will be able to follow along verbatimly with me. And so today we're talking about this most important subject. The message today is entitled, Will There Be a Second Chance? for anyone to be saved after the rapture. This is extremely important. I hope you pay close attention with me today. We have a lot of work to do. In Matthew chapter 24, I want you to notice with me beginning in verse number 40. Matthew 24 and verse number 40. They'll get these scriptures on the screen for you as quick as they can. The scripture says this, then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. This scripture right here is dealing with the rapture. I want you to think about it for a moment and what a grand and glorious day that's going to be when the Lord Jesus splits the eastern sky, the trump of God will sound, the dead in Christ will rise first, then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together, will meet the Lord in the air, will be transformed in the twinkling of an eye. We will receive what the Bible calls a glorified body, an incorruptible body. That's going to be a wonderful day. The rapture is the next prophetic event on God's 
timetable. And these scriptures right here has an implication of those that will be caught up in the rapture and those that will be left. The rapture deals specifically with those who are born again, those who are saved, those who will be taken out of this world when the Lord Jesus comes. I don't know about you, but I cannot wait to see him. I love that old song, oh, I want to see him look upon his face there to sing forever of his saving grace. I cannot wait to see my loved ones who have already crossed that great divide and who are already there waiting. I long to see friends who have already gone. I cannot wait to be taken out of this carnal, wicked world. I cannot wait when I'm able to lay all of my heavy burdens down. But listen very carefully. The message today does not deal primarily with the rapture. The message today doesn't primarily deal with those who are taken, although we're going to include it and mention it a couple of times. The first thing, and you must be warned, in point number one in your bulletin today, look at it very carefully. You must be warned. You must be told. The message must be said that there will be people left behind. And this is the most horrible thing I believe that could ever possibly happen to a person on this earth, to miss the rapture and to be left behind. I want you to notice the scripture again with me in Matthew 24, verse number 41. And there are two words that I want you to underline. They are of great significance in verse 41, the Bible says, two women shall be grinding at the meal. The one shall be taken. That has a positive aspect to it. The one that is taken, the one that is raptured out. I want you to notice very carefully that the Bible points out a division of humanity in these, two, in these verses. Look at it very carefully. A division of humanity. Make no mistake about it. When the Lord Jesus returns in the rapture, there will be, let me say it again, I cannot say it enough this morning, there will be some people taken. There'll be some people who'll be left behind. I'm so thankful that as a believer, we have the assurance that in the word of God, it declares that if you have given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be in the group that is taken and how can I be so sure of that? How can we all be so sure of that? Because of what Romans 10, 13 says. Those of you who are familiar with this passage of Scripture, rejoice in it. Those of you that are not, I want to read it and I want you to heed it and then you can rejoice in it as well. The Bible says this, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, not might be saved, hope to be saved, could be saved. It says shall be saved. I remember the day that I did that when I asked the Lord Jesus to come into my heart and to be my personal Savior. Can you remember the day? You might not be able to remember the calendar date, but friend, you have to be able to recall a time that you gave your heart to Christ, that you opened up your heart's door as 
Revelation 3.20 says, you opened up the door. You heard the Savior knock. The Holy Spirit gave you conviction and you with repentance, remorse, and sorrow, with conviction, you ask the Lord Jesus to come into your heart and to be your personal Savior. You have to remember that day, that time. If you are going through life leaning on the fact that somebody told you when you were young, you did this. You don't remember it. You don't have any awareness about it. You don't have any recollection of it, but you think you're saved because your mother told you that when you were 12, you got saved. If that's your salvation experience, you are in trouble. Do not go through life clinging to grace on the fact that you had somebody to tell you that you got saved when you were in midlife when you were a child. You're playing Russian roulette with your soul. Don't do that. If you cannot remember a specific time, again, you may not remember the calendar date. You, you may not even remember how old you were. None of those things are the important thing. The thing is that you can recall a time when you recognized that you were lost. You were a lost sinner and you needed to be saved and you asked Jesus to come into your heart. Do not cling to a dream or what somebody told you in a passed down story. You have to be able to recall the time. Can you do that? Being saved, listen, it gives us a security. It gives us a surety that when the rapture takes place that we will be taken out. And if you are in the group that's taken, if you are saved and you are raptured out, then that's going to be a very positive thing. I want you to underline that word taken in the scripture. But if that's not the case for you, again, look in Matthew chapter 24, verse number 41. The Bible says one shall be taken and the other left. You need to underline the word left. That word has a significant negative aspect to it. It implies being abandoned, being forsaken. And friend, that's the most serious situation that you could ever find yourself in. Jesus himself gives us a picture-perfect idea of what's going to happen immediately following the rapture, immediately following this prophetic event. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 21, let's get these scriptures on the screen and look at this. Now, this takes place immediately after the rapture. For then shall great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. So listen carefully. The Bible says that when Jesus returns, and this is number two on your bulletin today, that those who are left behind are going to enter into a period of time known as the great tribulation. This is significant. That time period is described in the Old Testament in a variety of ways. Let me give you four key scriptures pertaining to this. They're very important. The first one I call your attention to the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 9 and verse number 27. 
The word says in he, you might want to draw a circle around that word he or underline it in your Bible and right beside it, that's talking about the Antichrist. By the way, next Sunday, that's what I'm speaking on, the Antichrist and the mark of the beast. And he, the Antichrist, shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. That's three and a half years. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice. Follow along with me. Stay with me. Don't lose this. He shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. This is in reference to how in the Old Testament, people offered sacrifices in temple worship. Most of you are very familiar with that. And for the overspreading of abominations, you know what an abomination is. I don't have time to go in, into a word study with you this morning on these specifics. But for the overspreading of abominations, this, by the way, is called the abomination of desolation. It's going to happen in the middle of the tribulation, in the middle after the first three and a half years. The tribulation lasts seven years. What I'm reading to you now takes place in the middle. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate even unto the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Now remember, we're talking about the tribulation right here. This is what happens immediately following the rapture. The second scripture of importance is Daniel chapter 12 and verse number one. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince was standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. In Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse number 7, the third verse of great importance to the tribulation. Alas, for that day is so great, and so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble. But he shall be saved out of it. And the last scripture, number four, of great significance pertaining to the tribulation. Now, let me emphasize, these are not the only verses that pertain to that. The Bible is filled with them. But let me, I'm narrowing it down for the sake of time to give you four. In Zephaniah, this is a hard book perhaps for some of you to find. The scripture will be on the screen. The reference is in your bulletin. Go back and reread it when you have time to find it. There's an important word there in the scripture, and I want to get through it as fast as we can. Zephaniah 1.18, neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath. But the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy. For he shall make even a speedy radiance. And that word radiance means the removal of something that is not wanted. Of all them that dwell in the land. So God's wrath on this world and on the people that are left behind after the rapture is going to be horrendous. It will be unmerciful for those who have rejected the gospel 
And friend, today, if that's you, you're, you're just saying, I cannot believe the Bible to be real. I cannot believe it is the word of God. Then you are rejecting the word. You are rejecting the gospel. You are rejecting Jesus. And those of you that are watching by internet today, wherever you're watching from, all over the world and here in the United States and all of our states, listen very carefully. If you believe that this is not true, then you have rejected the word and you are in serious trouble. Stay with me now. God's wrath on this world and the people that are left behind is going to be unmerciful. I assure you that according to the word of God, those who are left behind following the rapture is going to go through a horrific time period known as the tribulation and the latter part, the last three and a half years known as the great tribulation. Catastrophic things will go on in the tribulation. I do not have time this morning in this message to give them to you. You might want to make a reference to Revelation chapter 6 through 19. It tells you all about the tribulation and those particular chapters. But there will be all sorts of things going on from political deception. And are we not there now? However, the first three and a half years of the tribulation, there is going to be a false peace, which is going to bring about a deception in economics. The first three and a half years, everything will be brought to a blooming type of resurrection as far as economics go. But there will also be an unfathomable decline in spiritualness. Now, I want you to listen carefully because this is something that's important. The book of Revelation makes a clear reference to those that are left behind as them that dwell on the earth. That's significant. And let me show you what I mean. In Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 10, John the Revelator, he's writing, on the island of Patmos, A.D. 96. And this is what the scripture says, because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation. Here's the thing. None of God's people, none of the righteous, the blood-bought redeemed, saved, none of us who are saved will go through an ounce of the tribulation. I emphasized this the other day. Let me remind you very quickly of it again. God did not destroy the world by flood until his righteous was safely on board the ark. God did not destroy the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah until Lot and his two daughters were safely outside of the city. God did not destroy the wicked city of Jericho until Rahab and her family were safely out of the city. This is a shadow. This is a type of how God spares his children from tribulation and difficulty and it's going to work in the same shadow the same type and the same principle when the trump of god sounds god's going to take us out of this world just like he did lot and his family and and uh, rahab and her family and noah and his family that's what the scripture means he says i will also keep thee if you are born again, if you are saved, I will keep thee, you, from the hour of temptation, the time of Jacob's trouble, which shall come upon all the world, look at this now, to try them that dwell upon the earth. And so this statement, them that dwell upon the earth, this is a term in reference to those who are left behind. 
Now, let me teach you something with this. Again, the term them that dwell on the earth is never a reference to God's people, never. These are people who did not receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And if you are still rejecting the gospel, if you're still rejecting Jesus, if you're still rejecting the word, then you're going to be left behind and you're going to be classified as part of this group to them, you who are left on this earth. Millions of people right now are in this category, millions upon millions, and they are lost. Listen carefully. They are not only on their way to the tribulation, but they are lost and on their way to hell. Now, the question is this. When the rapture takes place, and point number three on your bulletin, will the people that dwell on the earth Will the people that are left behind have a second chance to be saved if they are not taken when the rapture takes place? Will they have a second chance? Will they be able to acknowledge their mistake and, and find a merciful and a compassionate God that reaches out to them in a second way, in a second chance? Well, the answer is found in another book and chapters in the scripture and we're going to take time this morning we're going to break it down because this is of utmost importance you've got to see it yourself first of all in second thessalonians chapter 2 verses 1 through 3 the apostle paul is writing again and he says this now we beseech you brethren by the coming of our lord jesus christ and by our gathering together unto him that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Now let me explain something to you about this. These people in Thessalonica, they were early Christians. They were, they were new converts. And these people had received a very disturbing message because false teachers had crept into the church. And these false teachers were preaching a false message. They were telling these new converts that the rapture had just taken place, that they had missed it. And these new converts, they were terrified over that. They were scared out of their mind, and they thought that they were living in the time of Jacob's trouble. They thought they were living in the tribulation. So Paul begins to help them understand that the day of the Lord had not happened yet. The day of Christ, meaning the rapture, or the day of the Lord, the revelation, Paul was trying to get their hearts settled down and calmed down that they had not missed the rapture. But let me say this, there are people today that get it all confused. There are a varieties of doctrines that are being pushed and peddled today all around the world. There's what is called the, the premillennialist or the pre-tribulationalist. That's what we are. 
We're pre-tribulationists. We believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come back and at the rapture, when the rapture takes place, we believe that the Lord Jesus is going to take the dead who has already died. He's going to raise them. He is then going to take us. He's going to give us a glorified body. We're going to meet the Lord in the air. And this is what we believe. We believe he is going to do that before the tribulation. We believe he is going to do that before the revelation. That's what makes us pre-trib. But there are those that preach mid-tribulation. There are those who believe that the rapture will take place in the middle of the tribulation. And then there is the, the category of people that believe in the post-tribulation. They believe this, that he's coming back after the tribulation. Well, he will in the revelation, but the rapture takes place before the tribulation. Class, you cannot get this mixed up. You have to know the difference between the rapture and the revelation. Now listen, right before the rapture, this is what the word says, that there's going to be a great falling away. And I spoke on that in sermon number one. It's unprecedented apostasy. That means this, that the majority of the world, the majority of the world is going to openly reject this book to be the infallible word of God. The world by majority is going to reject Jehovah, Yahweh, Elohim, El Shaddai. They're going to reject him as being God. And the world by large is going to reject God's simple plan of salvation. That's what the word means when it says there's going to be a great falling away. Now, Immediate, that takes place right before the rapture. Immediately after the rapture, there are two significant things that are going to take place. One is going to be the appearance of the Antichrist. It's going to be here. Immediately after the rapture that the Antichrist is going to reveal himself. Now, I want you to think about this. So two important things have to happen before the day of the Lord or the, or the revelation. One, the apostasy of the church the falling away, and then the revealing of the Antichrist. Again, you have to remember the big difference between the revelation and the rapture. Now, here's something incredibly important. The last of the dispensation of grace, the last of the church age, will be known as the Laodicean age. The last part of the dispensation of grace, that's where we are now. We're not under the law. That's in the Old Testament. We are now under grace. But in the last phase of this day of grace, which I believe we are there now, this is known as the Laodicean age. Why do you believe that, preacher? Because the word Laodicean means the rights of the people. Now, when you think about the word Laodicean and you think about the rights of the people, think about where this world is right now. I mean, you think about that just for a moment. We're living in a day and time when wrong overrides right, political correctness. I mean, the insanity of the world overrides reason. And that means that in the last days, there's going to be a significant falling away of beliefs, a falling away of behavior, a falling away of what is right, and a clinging to things that is wrong. 
And we're witnessing that right before our very eyes right now. Keep in mind, the rapture is the very next thing that takes place. Okay, the Apostle Paul says that immediately when that takes place, the, the Antichrist will reveal himself. That brings us to point number four. The rapture and the revealing of the Antichrist begins the tribulation period. Again, those two things have not happened. The rapture has not yet happened, and the revealing of the Antichrist has not yet happened. These are yet to come. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 3, look at this. Let no man deceive you. They will get these scriptures on the screen. They're there now. Follow along with us. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. That's where we are right now. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, that is the Antichrist. The son of perdition means the son of ruin, the son of damnation. Then the apostle Paul describes him again in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 4. Look at what he says who opposes and exalteth himself above all that is called God. Do you remember when the devil tried to do that in the beginning of time? He will do it again. Look at this. Or that is worshiped so that he, the Antichrist, as God, impersonating God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now, let me repeat something to you. When the rapture takes place, the Antichrist, he is going to reveal himself, but what he does at the beginning of the first three and a half years of the tribulation, he comes in as a peacemaker. He comes in with a clever way to make peace with the Jews and the Arabs, the Palestinians, he makes peace with Iran and the Jews and Iraq and the Jews. He brings about a worldwide global peace. He convinces these people who are left behind in the first three and a half years of the tribulation that he is a wonderful peacemaker, that he knows how to bring about global peace. But in the middle of the first three and a half years, a couple of things happen. One, we who have been raptured out, we move from the judgment seat of Christ to the last three and a half years in the marriage supper of the Lamb. But this earth moves from a period of false peace, global prosperity. The Antichrist then changes altogether in the middle of the tribulation. In the middle of the tribulation, he then sets himself up not as a peacemaker, not as an economical brilliant genius, but in the middle of the three and a half years, he sets himself up as God. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 8, And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. So, the Antichrist is not only going to bring in a global worldwide peace 
and global prosperity with economics, but he's also going to do this. He's going to go to the Jewish people and he's going to say, hey, listen, to show you how real I am, and because I am God and, and I want you to see something very important in the back of his mind. This is what he's thinking. This is what he's doing. This is his motivation. He's going to walk up to the Jewish people and he said, you know what? You guys have wanted for so long, a couple of thousand years now, you guys have wanted your own temple. And you have been a people that has been ostracized. You have been a people that's shunned and Everybody else got a house of worship, but you don't. So I think what you need, you need a temple. You need to be able to worship in your temple. And you need to be able to offer sacrifices in your temple, just like it was in the days of old. And the Jewish people are going to say, this is the Messiah. This is the one we've been waiting for. He's going to give us a temple. We're going to be able to worship in our temple. Not only that, we're going to be able to offer the sacrifices just like we did in the days of old. And the Antichrist is standing back clever in his mind. He knows he's baiting the hook. He knows he's deceiving these people, but the Jewish people are going to be so blind, they're going to say, this is incredible. And so the temple is built. The sacrifices are being offered. It's all the way back to temple worship. And then in the middle of the three and a half years, the Antichrist, he then steps up and he says, now, I want all of you to know that I am God. And he says, I'm going to declare, I'm going to make all of you bow down and worship me. He's going to stop the Jewish people from offering sacrifices in the temple. In fact, he's going to martyr many of them. The Bible says that they're going to flee to the mountains of Petra, petrified over what is happening. They're going to realize that this is not God. It could not be God. And he is going to set himself up as God. He is going to build an image of himself where he just like happened in the plains of Dur in the days of Daniel. And he's going to declare himself to be God and he's going to deceive the world. He's going to make people worship him. And then at this point, he is going to make people take the mark of the beast, which is 666. I'll speak a little bit about that next Sunday. Now look in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, because this is talking about the Holy Spirit now. And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time for the mystery of iniquity doth already work for he that's talking about the holy spirit circle it underline it write the holy spirit in your bible so you won't get it wrong where i asked you to circle just a minute ago it was in reference to the antichrist right now this is in reference to the holy spirit only he who now letteth will let until he, the Holy Spirit, be taken out of the way. And so without question, you think with me just for a moment, the restraining power in the world today is none other than the Holy Spirit of God. I, I, if you think that the world is bad right now, which we all believe it's at the lowest point since the beginning, just wait until the restrainer is taken out. Just wait till the Holy Spirit is taken out. Okay, now look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 10. This is in reference to those that are left behind. 
and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Because look at this. Why are they left behind? Because they received not the love of God, the love of the truth, that they might be saved. Are you with me? The reason why they are left behind is because they did not receive the truth. They were not saved. So this is saying in verse 10, these people left behind made a conscious decision to live in the pleasures of unrighteousness. They made a conscious decision to reject Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world. And because of that decision that they made to reject Jesus, because of that conscious decision that they made to receive not the truth and be saved, they put themselves in a position to be deceived by the Antichrist. As he presents himself as the only hope of the world, as he presents himself as the peacemaker, as he presents himself as the Messiah, look at this passage. They receive not the love of the truth. Now, number five, what is the truth? What is the truth? Very carefully. The truth is the gospel. The truth is Jesus. In John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh to the Father but by me. So the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And a person has to understand the gospel in order to be saved. They have to. Anyone who wants to be saved must first realize that they are a sinner. Real quickly, let me take you down the Romans road. This is imperative. Again, I say this. If you don't remember when you were saved, somebody told you you were saved, this will clear it all up for you right now. If you do not recall what I'm about to share right now, you need to be born again. Listen to this. In Romans 3, 23, the scripture says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us, the word says, there's none righteous, no, not one. Any person who wants to be saved has to know that we are sinners. Secondly, a person has to understand the consequence of sin. What is the consequence of sin? Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. That's talking about eternal separation from God. But the gift of God, John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The third thing a person must understand, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, Romans 5, 8. But God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And number four, in order for a person to be saved, they have to know this, that if we confess our sin and we repent of our sin and call upon the name of the Lord, we can be saved. We shall be saved. In Romans 10, verse 19 through 13, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart 
that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is how a person can be saved. So these people the Bible is describing as people left behind are people who heard the gospel in the day of grace, who had an opportunity to receive it, but they consciously chose not to believe it. They consciously chose not to receive it. Number six, quickly. And as a result of making that conscious choice, we have to notice the consequence. Now, what are we talking about? Can a person left behind have a second chance and be saved? We have to understand the consequence of a conscious decision of rejecting the truth, rejecting the word, rejecting Jesus, rejecting the plan of salvation. The consequence of having a conscious decision made is irreversible. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, I'm going to tell you why. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 11. This is why a person cannot be saved after rejecting the truth with a conscious mind and the rapture takes place when they are left behind on this earth. This is why a person who has heard a clear presentation of the gospel and chose to reject the truth, reject Jesus, reject the word, reject his plan of salvation, this is why they cannot be saved. And for this cause, everything I just mentioned, look at this carefully. God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. What is the lie? The Antichrist is saying, I'm God. The Antichrist is saying, listen, you need to worship me. So God is saying that every person who made a conscious decision to reject the truth is going to believe the lie of the Antichrist. Now, as a result of that, when a person turns from the truth, they are wide open for a lie. Now, how will the Antichrist be able to deceive the world? Think about this. When the Lord Jesus returns, there's going to be global chaos and global pandemonium. And I assure you that nothing of its kind has ever been experienced in human history. Think about just for a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, when the rapture takes place, the trump of God sounds instantly. Think about all the amber alerts that are going to be going off at the same time all over the world. Think about all the families, millions upon millions of families who are looking for their missing loved ones. Think about all the derailments and the crashes and the explosions. Think about the worldwide 911 calls that are going off. It's in this time of utter chaos that the Antichrist steps up to the microphone of the world and makes his appearance. And when he does that, he is going to have a lie with him. And as he begins to explain to the world what has happened with his lie, somebody may say, well, people are just going to be too smart to believe that preacher. Well, the truth of the matter is this. 
the world at this time will be more gullible and more vulnerable than any moment in human history. I want to remind you of something very quickly. Some of you may remember this, but I want to show you how gullible people are right now. A few years back in 1997, there was a man out in California. His name was Marshall Applewhite. And this man, he convinced 30 people that a spaceship was waiting for them behind the Hale-Bopp comet. And he said this. He said, I'm going to put a quarter in all of your pockets. If you want to escape this world, this is what you need to do. You need to take your life, drink the poison, Jim Jones type of a thing. This is what he said. I'm going to take you to a higher level of commitment and enlightenment. And this is what happened. 30 people did what this man said, thinking that a spaceship was going to take them to an enrichment of life and get them out of the world. Listen, 30 people did that. 900 people in the jungle of Jonestown, Guyana, drank the poison believing that Jim Jones was Christ. In Waco, Texas, people believed that David Koresh was the Messiah. When the rapture takes place, the Antichrist will be revealed and he will walk up to the world podium with a lie and people will believe the lie. They will be gullible. Here's the thing. When you reject the truth, you are wide open for a lie. Notice something else here that is quite clear, and this is the most amazing and startling thing about the truth. Look at it carefully. I want you to see it. The Bible doesn't say that the Antichrist is going to send a lie to the people. The Bible doesn't say that the devil is going to send a strong delusion to the people. The Bible doesn't say that a demon it's going to bring strong delusion to the people. Look at it carefully. Because people made a clear conscience decision to reject the truth, to reject the word, to reject Jesus Christ, to reject his plan of salvation. For that reason, look at this, 2 Thessalonians 2.11, for this cause, for this reason, God shall send them strong delusion that they should be a lie, believe a lie. Now, somebody might say, well, why would God, of all people, why in the world would God do this? I'll tell you why. Because they said no one too many times. They had an opportunity. They rejected Jesus. And listen carefully. There comes a point in time when you can say no to the Holy Spirit one too many times and God will give people what they really want and that is he will be silent to them for the rest of their life. Isaiah 66, 4. He says, I also will choose their delusions and will bring their fears upon them because when I called, none did answer. When I spake, they did not hear, but they did evil before mine eyes and chose that in which I delighted not. So let me assure you of something. 
Jesus right now is tenderly calling today. Let me remind you of something that the, today is the day of salvation. Many times when we read in the scriptures something like this, we have a hard time with it. That's because of our finite mind, but it's true. When God just simply gave people up, he really just gave them what they wanted. Let me show you a principle in the gospel of John. We're running out of time. Our musicians need to come forward. In John chapter 12, verse 37, I want to read through verse 40. But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. That the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report, and to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because that Isaiah said again, he hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted as I should heal them. Again, let me say this, when people reject the truth, they are wide open for a lie. And they're going to believe it. Now go back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 12. Now, God said, because they rejected the truth, they rejected the word, they rejected Jesus, they rejected the plan of salvation, God is going to send them a strong delusion in the tribulation period. And the result of that is this. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 12, that they all, all might be damned who believe not the truth but have pleasure in unrighteousness. So remember, when the Lord returns, some will be taken, those who were saved, those who received the truth, and some will be left behind, those who were not saved, those who rejected the truth. And people who rejected the truth not only rejected it, but they sank into the utter abyss of it. I want to show you something, what they do in the tree. Somebody says, well, don't you think that God would just somehow give them a second chance. Listen, first of all, God's going to send a delusion to them that they're going to believe the lie of the Antichrist. And I'm going to show you how that their hearts are so hardened that they would not even in their own accord, in their own will, want to be saved. Look at this. Revelation 11, verses 3 through 10. And I will give power unto my two witnesses. I believe Moses and Elijah. I don't have time to go into that today. Witnesses and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And if any man hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devour their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. They have power to shut the heaven that it rain not. Okay, think about it. in the Old Testament, who was the prophet in those days? It was the prophet Elijah. Look at this. If any man hurt them, he must be killed in this manner. They have power to shut heaven that it rain not in the days of their prophecy and have power turn waters to blood. Who was that? Back in the Old Testament, who did that? It was Moses. Now look at this. And to smite the earth with all the plagues as often as they will. And when they shall have finished their testimony. The beast ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city. Are you got this now? The two witnesses now, they have come. They're going to preach. And from their preaching, 144,000 people who have never heard a clear presentation of the gospel, 144,000 priests, they're going to be saved in the tribulation. They've never heard a clear presentation. And we're not talking about those that heard, rejected, believed not the truth. That's another thing. These two witnesses come. They begin to preach 
Jehovah God, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. In their ministry, no one will be able to hurt them. But when their ministry is completed, God takes that hedge from them and the Bible says that they will be killed and they will be in the streets. Their dead bodies will lay in the streets. Let's continue. Look at this. Verse 9. And they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations, think about satellite television all over the world showing this, shall see their dead bodies three days and a half and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves. Now, on top of leaving the two witnesses in the streets dead for three days, here's something else that they're doing. Verse 10. And they that dwell upon the earth, you remember that statement we just made a few moments ago? Them that dwell on the earth. Look at this. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them. Rejoice that their dead bodies are in the streets. And make merry. And look at this. They're not only happy that the two witnesses are dead and they have no desire to put them in a grave, but they're so happy that they begin to send gifts to one another celebrating like Christmas that the two witnesses are dead. And look at this. Because the two prophets tormented them that dwell on the earth. Now these people are having parties over the dead bodies of God's witnesses. They're giving presents to each other. And let me ask you this. Do you think for one minute that these people, them that dwell on the earth, being shown all over the world the whole world is in agreement the whole world is in harmony the whole them that dwell on the earth they're having parties they're exchanging gifts the two preachers are dead does that sound to you like anybody who would want a second chance They cannot be saved because God sent them great delusion that they believed a lie. I pray to God this doesn't confuse you. Help me, Jesus. From the preaching of the two witnesses, 144,000 people, priests, Jews, will be saved regardless of what the Jehovah's Witness wants you to think, they believe that only 144,000 people are going to heaven. Listen carefully. The 144,000 are 144,000 Jewish priests who will be saved in the tribulation. The Bible says they're from the 12 tribes of Judah. They are not Gentiles. And from the preaching of the 144,000, millions of people who have never heard a clear presentation of the gospel. They didn't hear the gospel. They didn't reject the truth. They, they didn't reject God's plan of salvation from the preaching of the 144,000. Help me, Jesus. From the preaching of the 144,000, millions of people will be saved in the tribulation. They will be beheaded. We don't have time for that today. But no one with a clear conscience of the truth who heard it, rejected it, refused it, and said no 
them that dwell on the earth will never have a second chance to be saved when the rapture takes place. So the question is this. God does give people up. You can see that last point. I'm not going to take time to reference it. We're way out of town. But I want to come back to what I asked you the first part of the message, and that's this. Can you recall a day, a time, a point when you gave your heart to Jesus? Don't think you're going to heaven just because somebody told you you were. You have to know that you know that you know. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.